fitness, nutrition, sleep, longevity, performance, fat loss, and all the keys to a life of health, happiness, and success. I'm Jed Zimmer, your host, and welcome to The Health Project. Welcome back, guys. We've got episode 48 today of The Health Project. Uh, I hope wherever you are in the world currently, you are living the healthiest version possible um, and really just taking some time out for yourself. It's a difficult situation we all find ourselves in, so... It's even more important to really take care of our, our health and well-being, so continuously checking in with one another, our mental health, our physical health, whatever it might be. Uh, tonight's episode is was it was another very exciting one. I was lucky enough to chat with Solar Chamberlain, who is a fellow Australian. Obviously, there's been a lot of US guests uh, on the podcast, but it's it's great to have a fellow Australian jump on board. Sol is the founder of the Star and East Organic Whole Foods Bone Broth and Larder, which is uh, it's a Sydney-based Whole Foods store. She's she's got a pretty incredible story. She was able to heal a lot of her own health battles um, with with pretty much gaining an understanding of nutrition and using pretty much food as medicine. Which uh, it's a topic that's it's very common nowadays. A few of the key takeaways that we're going to go into are the importance of eating organic whole foods, the importance of um, high quality meat, animal products, the importance of high-quality vegetables, so both both sides of this story, as well as other ways to live a toxin-free life from little things like reducing EMF exposure, uh, mold exposure, which can really all play an impact on your health. So great episode. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back for, for another episode next week. Well, let's get into it. Um, and as I said, I'm very grateful. So, Sola, um, I want to ask the so star anise organic whole foods what was the catalyst for you know creating this and being the founder of this organization yeah well like uh, a lot of people my catalyst was a personal health crisis or should i say crises yeah. and the desperation uh being frustrated by the conventional healthcare system which failed me on numerous occasions i decided to take matters into my own hands because i wanted mm. something better for my right. life and my family's life. Mm. And, so and what, out, sorry, yeah. go on. So I started out, was uh, born into a family of um, Greek migrant parents. And while we had some wonderful food and we grew a lot of our own food, I unfortunately ate a great deal of junk food as well as most right. kids uh, do. So I had a glass of coke with every meal and more than my fair share of junk food and refined sugar and margarine and refined grains. And uh, that was compounded in my 20s by becoming a macrobiotic vegetarian slash vegan because I thought I was being healthy because the government very much steers us into a low fat, high grain diet. So I thought by eating no fat and the grain-based diet, I would be super healthy. And when my body was increasingly and increasingly falling apart, mm. I started to question that approach. So some of my health issues that I suffered were things like osteoskeletal issues. I kept yeah. breaking bones, ligaments snapping. Um, I was constipated. I lost my period. I became mm. legally blind. I had cystic acne, recurring colds and flus. And our little baby boy, who we were also raising as a vegetarian, ended up in hospital with rounds and rounds of antibiotics, with bronchopneumonia. Uh, and I guess this was all compounded by the fact that at the time, just prior to having a baby, I was working uh, as a corporate lawyer for a top tier law firm and then in-house working really long, long hours in a pressure cooker environment, not seeing the light of day, not moving my body, not going outside in nature. 
And so I guess my lifestyle factors were really incongruent with my genes and and there just comes a point where the human body just can't go on anymore and breakdown and collapse happened. And that's what happened to me. Ended up in hospital uh, two months um, out of, uh, out of uh, whack. And that's when I decided, you know, I've got to take a different approach and discovered the works of Dr. Weston A. Price through my naturopath and the power of nutrient-dense traditional whole foods. And back then, 15 years ago, um, in Sydney, no one was making and selling bone broth or casseroles or chicken liver pate from pastured Mm. chicken or, you know, raw sauerkraut or any treats that didn't have refined sugar or agave syrup in them. Um, And basically, desperation bred creativity. And I just started getting back into the kitchen and making this food from scratch. And then persistent friends were insisting on buying my food and through word of mouth, it was friends of friends who came knocking at the door and the circle just kept expanding and expanding and expanding until one mother's helper turned into 16 uh, over the years. (laughs) And I had no choice but really to set up a retail store called, which I called Bronte in Bronte, uh, which is now five years old. And Star awesome. and Organic Hospital is now 10 years old. Yeah. Um, and through this establishment, I basically share my passion with the world uh, with nutrient-dense traditional whole foods and my mission to bring real nutrient-dense traditional whole foods that are ethically sourced and properly prepared back to the modern table. And I guess more broadly than that, to really educate mm. people on how to lead a more nourishing, more conscious, yep. more heart the approach to life and to really you know kick the chemicals in their life and what were some of these changes from a nutrition standpoint that you started to change and gradually implement so in terms of what we were eating we basically i went from eating a largely low fat high grain uh nutritionless diet so the standard Mm. food diet to then really being focused and concerned on the source and provenance and process our food so ask really taking an interest in where did this come from provenance mm. and what's been done to it right recognizing that not all food is created equal not all calories are created equal everything comes down to the health of the soil and the sea so really mm. support farmers who are um, using sustainable farming practices, who rear their animals in the way nature intended, so making sure grass meat was yep. um, you know, great. Meat was grass fed and finished. That the chickens were pastured. That seafood was wild. Mm. Obviously, incorporating animal products back into my diet was a huge thing for me, and I resisted that for about a year. Yeah. Um, on the grounds of um, animal uh, efficacy and you know ethics, and then I mm. really you know read the um, the omnivores deliver and the vegetarian myth and really started appreciating that we're all part of this life cycle of birth and death. And for us to live our most um, optimal life being, we need to eat animal products. You know, mm. it took me a while to wrap my mind around that and not all animal products are created equal. So making sure that, you know, I'm eating animal products from, you know, sustainable, ethically raised farms right. and, uh, you know, full fat, everything, and the you know, cutting out all the processed food for just single ingredient real food, right. and the changes were really profound. In a matter of months, if not weeks, we went from barely surviving to thriving. And when you've mm, had that incredible experience, 
Uh, and the food is just so tasty and so satiating and so nourishing. Mm. You know, there's no going back. You know, in every aspect of you know your health, you know, is fundamentally and radically changed. Right. You know, you go back to eating. You know, what you were. You know, you, you're going to take matters into your own hand and go. Well, that didn't work for me. This is now working for me. I'm mm. off all my medications, all my supplements. Yeah. You know, food is uh, my medicine. Incredible. And going to, you know, referring to things from the quality standpoint, obviously when it comes to our meats, um, we're all becoming aware that it should be grass fed um, in particular. What are some other things in terms of the quality of our food that we really should be looking for, um, you know, where it, when, it, when it comes to where the food came from? Uh, well, yeah, as you said, so red meat animals uh, that uh, have a rumen, ruminant animals, grass fed and finished, seafood, yep. wild right. uh, and Farmed. When we're looking at the fin fish, chickens should be you know, raised on pasture mm. uh, as opposed to in confinement. Um, just making sure that you know our food is as unprocessed as possible, and you know, really educating people on reading the ingredients mm. on anything that comes in a packet, a container, a jar. You know, we just ignore all the marketing fluff on the front and just yeah. uh, you know, ignore the nutritional panel. And the only thing you really should be concerned with are the words that come after the word ingredients. Yeah. And if there's something in there that your great grandmother didn't recognize, then don't put it in and on your body. You know, yeah. The same goes for personal care products and cleaning products. Mm. Um, you know, opting for single ingredient food is, you know, a really great uh, starting point. Um going to farmers markets, organic stores and supporting, mm. you know, local farmers and local artisans is a great starting point. And, you know, in my health coaching sessions and my group food is medicine talks, I give people a very extensive, what I call healthy swaps table. Yeah. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, this is not about deprivation. It's about healthy swaps. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, wanting to go on this more healthy path, then I'm going to be giving up a lot of things and they're going to feel deprived. That's what they think of, that they're going to feel deprived. And what I'm trying to educate the public is it's not about mm. deprivation. You're not going to feel deprived. In fact, a whole new, more satiating and delicious yep. world is going to open up to you mm. and you're just going to glow from the inside out. Oh, so there's thing that you know you're, you're currently eating in terms of processed foods there's always we can always find a healthy swap for it mm, mm. and in terms of what a whole foods approach might look like how do you put all this into perspective um you know from a day-to-day -day basis do you try and incorporate a certain amount of fruits vegetables with your meat products or what how do you try and balance it all together basic kind of template that i have for breakfast lunch and dinner yep. because you know where you know these meal formulas that i have and i educate um, the public on just, you know, meal formulas make life uh, less stressful. It's like, yep. you know, waking up in the morning and if you've got an office job, you know, you know what you're going to, you know, wear, wear a suit to work and it's less stressful. Mm. But basically educating people on, you know, what are we as a species yep. biologically designed to eat and mm. not eat? And whether you have it for breakfast, lunch and dinner, whether you have one meal, two or three meals a day, it's up to you. You find right. what works, you know, mm. routine that works for you but basically we're designed to eat um quality animal products yep. so um you know in addition to muscle meat which we tend to kind of focus on in the west the real glamour lies in the bones the fat and the organs of the animal so getting mm. people to incorporate bone broth yeah uh, eating fat on the meat eating organ meats you know mm. like chicken livers and things like chicken liver pate getting people to incorporate 
how often do you recommend to it? Is this something that you can consume on a daily basis or do you have to be, again, wary of it? Yeah, so with red meat or, or animal products, um, my rule is you can eat them every day if you yeah. so choose, but it's a good idea to always consume bone broth yeah. with your muscle meat. And there's a whole body of science behind that. It's because um, muscle meat contains an amino acid called methionine and methionine right. can only be the sexual functions in the presence of glycine, where glycine found yep. the bones of animals. So teaming those together mm. is really important to aid in the digestion okay. of muscle meat. So that's why my dinner formula, for example, mm. is meat, free veg plus broth. Okay. Right. So is there any science behind whether you have the broth prior to the meal, during, post, or it doesn't matter? No, I don't, I don't think it matters. There's, you know, who's going to fund a study on that? There's no yeah, money exactly. in that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But think within a 24-hour period but if you can have a with the muscle meat so right. either it comes together in a soup or a casserole or a curry mm. you know you meet your veg broth all, all mixed together yeah. or you can have the three standalone things which is what we tend to do if we're not having a soup or a casserole so meat some vegetables and a cup of broth and mm. squeeze a bit of lemon juice or mix ginger and garlic in the broth or turmeric what we call broth bombs or flavor bombs at broth bar or just have it straight up and just drink that as you would a hot tea I and then it. you know bring very much revolves around eggs, yeah. you know, eggs, greens, and some sauerkraut, and you mm. know, a smoothie which I make with homemade, uh, homemade uh, milk kefir, mm. and lots of other, you know, boost goodness into that with lots of other sneaky things go in there, like some raw shaved chicken livers and awesome. um, other stuff like that. And then lunch is basically leftovers or simply um, a salad or you know, veggie sticks with some quality protein, you know. And do you? you might- so how important is it to, you know, is focusing on the macronutrients, is this something that you focus on or, again, it just refers back to the quality of the food you're eating or do you think focusing on how much carbohydrates, fats and protein we're having should be part of the consideration? I think we need, I think it is individual based. So, yeah. for example, an athlete is going to, you know, or a child, uh, you know, toddler or um, an adolescent uh, mm. who's, Ferociously, it's going to lead probably a little bit more, say, carbohydrates than someone who, you know, is more sedentary or, you know, you know. But generally, the general this is really general broad brush on a traditional Mm. whole food diet. About you know sixty. 65% 65% of your cal- calories are going to come from saturated fats. Yeah. You know, and it might sound like a lot, particularly when you're mm. coming from extreme dietetics. And I was on a pretty much a zero fat diet. So at yeah. first it was like, wow. And you're got, got obviously going to build up for that to allow the body time to digest and, um, mm. you know, bile acids to, you know, digest all the fat. So it takes a while. So about 65% of your calories are fat, about yeah. 20% are carbs and yeah. about 50 percent are protein right and so what i um educate uh my clients is what i call the rule of thirds so if you imagine a dinner plate and you cut Mm. it up to three so a third of your plate is going to be your um fat protein source like a piece of steak porterhouse steak for example Mm. a cup of broth the third of your plate is above ground veggies and a third of your plate is below ground veggies right so really mm. two-thirds of your plate are vegetables but from a caloric point of view you're actually eating you know more saturated fats than carbs mm. and if you i tend to say to people you're not going to be you know measuring the percentage of the macronutrients of what you're eating because that becomes a really boring way to live right yeah you absolutely just, if you do the rule of thirds you'll just naturally feel quite satiated mm. and it's, 
and you just play around with it. Like I don't have root veggies every night. Yeah. I might only have two or three times a week. Uh, mm. If we go too long without it, then you, you'll find that you start craving carbohydrates and things like bread and sugar. And it's like, oh, it's because I'm not eating enough root veggies, you know? Right. So you get to know through trial and error and experimentation, you'll really get to know your body and what mm. your body needs. And I know exactly after a meal, if I'm still feeling, you know, I'm peckish or want something, I'll look at that meal and go, oh, that meal didn't have enough fat or that mm. meal didn't have enough this or that. Right. And if you are obviously following this high fat approach, obviously fat can be quite harder to absorb in the body. Um, and it takes a lot more digestive enzymes. Are you outside of the bone broth? Do you recommend anything to sort of aid the digestion there? Or do you think the bone broth simply along with a high fat diet is sustainable? Once again, it's individual and some people because of, you know, um, gene mutations or because they might have their gallbladder removed or something like that. Uh, may not be able to digest fats a lot uh, yep. as easily as people. So very much, if you're having difficulty with that, we work with a functional medicine practitioner. Okay. But you know, when you're starting out, yes, having the bone broth is really important. Uh, maybe not having as fatty meat, like building up to that. Yep. Um, uh, and um, also a little bit of apple cider vinegar in a glass yep. of water before meals can increase mm. the hypochloric acid content of the stomach. Yeah. Uh, diet you're not really producing much hydrochloric acids you got to retrain your body to to do that mm. and once again it's gradual and it, and it takes time right and i want to ask about enzymes if, if you want to as well mm. uh, but once again when it comes to supplements and things like that that's where i sort of defer to you know my learned colleagues who are yeah. you know dietitians and functional medicine practitioners my you know main gig is food and using food mm. as medicine Right. And so what about vegetables from the standpoint of quality? Um, obviously with your meats, we look for grass fed, make sure paste or these kind of things. Yep. When it comes to the quality of our vegetables, yeah. is there anything we need to look out for? Yeah. Basically chemical free, mm. uh, seasonal and fresh as opposed right. to frozen, if, if possible. So notice I didn't use the words organic there because yeah. not all farmers will go to the trouble and expense of getting something stamped organic mm. but right. it could be read exactly you know organically so if you go to a farmer's market instead of saying is this organic and then they might get you know it kind of gets the backup on some people i just say is this sprayed you know what fertilizers have you used have you used any petrochemical fertilizers you know how you know you just start a conversation and that way you get more connected with the people in your community and mm. you build that rapport and that trust with that person but a good rule of thumb is yeah unsprayed mm. natural fertilizers um, in season, which is why shopping at organic stores and farmers markets is great because it forces you to shop in season. We're not designed to have watermelons in the middle of winter, for example. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, buying as much of your food fresh as opposed to frozen is, is awesome. And why is that just on that fresh versus frozen debate? What's the theory oh, there? Look, that's probably not as critical as the other points of, you know, unsprayed, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I guess, you know, our biology, you know, our, our ancient. Uh, hunter-gatherer genes our dna yeah. uh, is used to eating fresh food you know mm. Mm. uh there's i guess an intelligence in there that mm. possibly may be lost when you yeah. freeze something. I, I think if things are snap frozen i think from a nutritional point of view that that'd be fine but sometimes i query whether there's mm. an intelligence there that's right. that's lost so, you know, obviously there's some things that I do, you know, I get frozen peas and frozen raspberries, but I think it's a really also, you know, I, I just think it's a really nice way of living. If 
you know, when you're cooking something and it's fresh and, you know, you're integrating that in the whole process of it as I'd opposed say. to just frozen foods. And what about the cooking side of things when it comes to vegetables? Do you have favourite yeah. cooking methods to, you know, retain as much nutrients as possible and these kind of things? Absolutely. So there's kind of like a, uh, what I call a trifecta. There's the sauce, the processing and the preparation of food. So getting right. things that are you know, well-sourced, as unprocessed as possible. And then when you take it home, you've got to properly prepare it in a way that maximizes nutrient density. So okay. there's certain rules there. So things like leafy greens, like your kale, rainbow shard, spinach, mm. and silk peat should be cooked to reduce the oxalate content of them. Yeah. Right. yeah. Plants, you know, and plants, unlike animals, don't have arms and legs and they can't run away from their predators. So Mother Nature in her wisdom put all these anti-nutrients in there like oxalates uh, in some vegetables and phytates in grains, nuts, seeds and legumes. So yep. then as humans, if we want to consume them, we've got to properly prepare them to reduce those to maximise mm. nutrients in there and make them more digestible. Certain right. vegetables, for example, should be uh, cooked and not eaten raw. So mm. things like cruciferous vegetables for example in your root vegetables i mean carrots are okay eaten raw but as a general rule you know you'd cook your root vegetables right. um certain things uh, on the other hand should be eaten raw like your um omega-3 rich foods like mm. uh salmon because heat damages omega-3 um yeah. yolks can be raw or cooked but the whites must always mm. be cooked so yeah. I run through all of these in my one-on-one -on -one health coaching and my group food is medicine talk. So people mm. understand the importance of proper preparation of their food. Awesome. And with the heat side of things, um, are you recommending cooking with certain oils, whether it's olive oil, avocado oil to reduce the damage yeah. effect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously natural fats and get rid yeah. of all your processed what we call industrial seed oils all your canola cotton seed soybean oil all of those have got to go so mm. once again great rule of thumb if it didn't exist in your great grandmother's era don't eat yep. it so your natural um fats are things like you know butter ghee olive oil um beef tallow uh, mm. lard you know all the stuff your great grandmother cooked you know coconut oil things like that um i tend to favor for cooking the heat stable saturated fats because they're more right. heat stable they're, the atoms that you know the molecules are saturated uh mm. with hydrogen atoms they're very heat stable um so i tend to cook with you know beef tallow if i'm cooking uh meat comes mm. from the animal so it's perfect so we we uh keep the fat that rises to the top of a beef broth and that's beef tallow and we sell that yep. separately i tend to use butter when cooking vegetables or fish and i tend to use coconut oil if i'm doing like an asian or indian uh, flavored meal okay. um i tend to use olive oil cold uh, as so as a finishing oil, I don't tend to cook too much with olive oil because it's more of a monounsaturated fat. Mm. I mean, there's one place in the molecular chain where our oxygen can muscle in and cause the molecule to fall apart. Okay. So right. I love olive oil cold as a finishing oil on top of cooked or raw veggies. Right, there you go. And what about from the skincare products side of things? Are these oils something that, you know, we can be using as our skincare products as opposed yeah, to... I think when I discovered, you know, all the toxic crap that is found mm. in 
conventional personal care products. Yeah. 20 years ago, I just started using olive oil and I have a really good rule of thumb and I teach this to you know teen girls a lot. If you cannot eat it, do not put it on your skin. That's a really good rule of thumb. Everything Simplifies you put on your skin gets absorbed into your body, live really simply. So olive oil uh, and then I just, I use that and I just mm. add a, a nice aroma or to boost the uh, effects of the olive oil. I just add a few drops of really good quality uh, therapeutic mm. essential oils like Young Living essential oils. And really right. that's all you need. Uh, mm. But if you if that's a little bit foreign for you to put olive oil and essential oils on your face, then just get a really good quality, toxic free skincare range and, you know, yep advocate young living because I, I trust the quality of their ingredients just mm. makes life easy if you just simplify everything to one place as well yeah awesome outside of obviously skincare products and nutrition which we've already touched on when it comes to reducing toxins and chemicals in day-to-day -day life is there any any daily measures or anything that you personally recommend and are doing yourself yeah i mean obviously there's there's cleaning products as well that's a big one so in addition yeah. to food we're eating and our personal care products which also includes makeup mm. um they're cleaning products because you know every everything we spray around the house and spray on surfaces you know we're inhaling that and our kids and where we're touching the surfaces and then touching you know our, our face and our skin so we've got to be really mindful of that yeah. um once again i just advocate young living because they, they're a one-stop shop it just makes life really easy for people to get everything from one place mm. um and then looking at other, so, you know, there's dietary toxins and there's a whole bunch of environmental toxins like your personal care products, your cleaning products, but other environmental toxins are things like EMF, so electromagnetic frequencies, so the non-native ones yeah. are, are uh, something that our ancient DNA is just not equipped to deal mm. with. Um, and I think it's becoming an increasing concern, particularly with the pending rollout of 5G. So, yeah. you know, I've done some, you know, an Instagram IGTV on 10 ways you can reduce the Wi-Fi in your home, for example, yeah. uh, to create a Wi-Fi free home. And just be really, I guess, mindful. I think the first thing is be conscious mm. of everything you're putting in and on your body and what you're doing. Just be conscious of that. Don't be fearful of it because I think the fear and the stress is another toxin that can cause your health to unravel quicker than anything. Mm. So just being conscious of it and then just taking little baby steps to reduce it. So, right. you know, maybe focusing uh, on your kicking the dietary toxins first and foremost, which is what yep. I did. And once I've got, mm. I kind of got a grip on that, then focusing on kicking, you know, healthy swapping all my personal care products and then yep. came my cleaning products and then looking at Wi-Fi and, you know, really managing your stress the whole time. And this is where mm. I work with clients and give them all the tools and resources and information and in my group food is medicine talk. So they get all the handouts, all the resources, and they can just basically tick things off like a checklist so then it mm. doesn't feel so overwhelming. In terms of the AMF, I'm um, I'm intrigued to know. Sorry, what steps you are taking? Is does this include you know turning off the Wi-Fi at night, or what yeah, steps are you taking personally? Turning off the Wi-Fi at night is a huge yep. one, but I've gone one step further. My house is completely Wi-Fi free. Awesome. So basically, I've gone back to the old-fashioned method of having hard wired through Ethernet cables. Mm. You know, our laptops. So yes, yeah, there are wires everywhere. <laughs> and I love it. But it's safer and yeah. it's a faster connection, actually. Mm. Um, and you can even do the same with your phone. And I stepped through that if you're interested on one of my IGTVs. You had to buy a simple adapter yeah. from an Apple store. 
awesome. and you can hardwire my phone and then you turn mobile data off so you're not so it basically forces your phone and your laptop to find the internet through the hard cable yeah mm. so that's one thing you know speaking on your iphone on always on um speaker mode I rarely, rarely would have the phone right up to my ear. So I've got it on speaker. Um, you know, turning, making sure you, your phone's on airplane mode at night and the alarm will still set sound. Yeah. Um, making sure things in the bedroom are kind of turned off as much as possible mm. from the PowerPoint. And there's some really big, high EMF things uh, that you should avoid, like baby monitors, alarm clock radios. Yeah. They're the two once being mindful if there's a tower around you getting a building biologist in mm. uh, and, and with all their devices and they come in and they will measure uh, emfs in your home and things like oh you know your son's bedroom is right outside the, the power meter box and you can mm. do things to eliminate you know or reduce the your emf exposure mm. uh, at least in your home so look you know what i say to a lot of people just focus on what is within your control because in this world, there's a lot of things that are outside of our control. And if you focus on those, the stress that it will cause you, as I said earlier, will cause your health to unravel quicker than anything. Mm. What you can control is what goes on in your home, the products and the food and the things you bring into your home. So focusing on your personal care products, your cleaning products, your food and the Wi-Fi in your home, that's, mm. a great, like, that's really all you can really do. And just acknowledge that the minute you step outside of your home, yeah. then... You're going to be bombarded, you know, with things, but at least, you know, you've reduced it within your home. Yeah. And do you recommend anything, obviously, for once we are going outside, um, we're going to be exposed to all these chemicals, whether it's in the workforce. When it comes to removing some of these toxins, do you recommend anything? Um, You know, red light therapy, sauna use seems to be quite popular. Is there anything from a diet standpoint? There's a lot of things that you can do within your home to Mm. detoxify from the things that you're exposed to outside your home. So yeah, the things that you mentioned, you know, infrared saunas, just eating a really good solid nutrient dense traditional whole foods diet yeah. is going to you know, bone broth and, and fermented foods and drinks are really detoxifying. Young living essential oils are incredibly detoxifying. They clean the receptor sites of our cells. Mm. Um, using the young living oils, you know, on, on your person as well. And also I just think, Having that mindset that you are protected, I think goes a long way. If you've got this mindset of fear and vulnerability, you're going to attract. Whereas Mm. if you go into the world outside feeling and knowing, and sometimes you've got to fake it till you make it and Mm. saying to yourself, I am protected. I've done as much as I can. I'm strong. I'm healthy. Then, you know, I think that will go a long way. I think, you know, what you say to yourself in your mind goes a long way in Mm. creating your health. That's extremely powerful. And is visualization then and mindfulness something that you practice daily? 100%, 100%, yeah. So, you know, visualising, you know, a shield around you, you know, like an or protective aura and then that sort of expanding and expanding and expanding. So mm. there are what I call the eight foundations or pillars of health. Yeah. So, you know, health is profoundly influenced uh, by these eight lifestyle factors far more than our hard-coded genes. So mm. our health is largely influenced by, you know, what we do to our body. And we've got control over that. So it's an awesome and empowering responsibility. So more so than just what we eat and drink and how we move and what we breathe and spending time out in nature and having fun play and connecting with loved ones um, and, you know, sleep 
And the eighth one is, which, you know, can be in any order, is mindset. And what mm. we're saying to ourselves up here is, you know, probably number one, probably our, the biggest determinant of our health are the messages and the voices that we're saying to ourselves. Right. So do you, what, what does that look like for you? you uh, positive self-talk, affirmations? It's, it's, it's just an extrapolation of the healthy swapping principle that I do with food. So swapping right. out food with a nutrient-dense version. So margarine with butter, swapping out a negative thought with a positive thought. So, you know, you've got to catch yourself. And I realised for a long time I had this just this mm. negative mindset that stemmed back to probably my childhood, like a victim mentality, poverty mentality, scarcity mentality. Um, and, you know, I picked those messages up, you know, from my mum or, you know, for people mm. around me. And it was just such negative self-talk. And I was just always attracting that because, you know, what the, the, the your fear attracts that. Right. Uh, so coming from that real lack of fear mentality. And then it took me a long time to like really healthy swap into a more of a love-based, heart-centered, uh, positive, abundant mentality. And then I right. started attracting that. And mm. attracting people who also practice that, which then yeah. amplified that. So it was kind of like, you know, when you're on this negative self-talk, you're going to attract people like that and it becomes a, a double-edged sword. Mm, so, you mm. know, I have a lot of toxic relationships uh, and now just surround myself with, with people who are on my page nutritionally and same lifestyle and same mindset. And that really lifts you up and knowing that, you know, you're in this together, there's this beautiful mm. community. Uh, and and not, I appreciate that, you know, health is so multifaceted. It's not yeah. just the Week. that's a terrific start then yeah. you know one door will open up another door which will open up another door and you're constantly learning and there really isn't an end point and it's going to take mm. lifetimes no nah, i love it conscious. yeah absolutely i'm going to finish off so i'm going to put you under the pump a little bit here um i think i already know number one by the sound of its bone broth but i want to ask if you could pick you know five favorite superfoods some foods that you absolutely yeah, love that you think everyone can the number one superfood is organ meats. Yeah. And within organ meats, the most nutrient-dense food on the planet mm. is gram gram. They blow the doors off everything else, including red muscle meat. So right. if you can really incorporate some livers from yeah. obviously you know, pastured uh, sources into your diet. Mm. And in my online organ meat workshop, I show really sneaky ways to get them into family meals along with loud and proud ways, but you can only yeah. sneak them into a bolognese or sneak them into your smoothie and no one even knows they're there. Mm. Um, bone broth I'd say is right up there too. Another one I would say is just eating the fat on pastured meat and the fat mm. like, you know, butter uh, or ghee. Uh, and if you're dairy intolerant, you know, coconut oil and getting some, you know, you know the fat on the rim of the meat is getting yeah. some really saturated fats into you and don't fear fat in fact the more fat i eat the more you know uh, weight excess weight that i lost you know yeah. so if you're under you'll gain lean muscle mat if you're overweight you'll lose lean muscle mat so i'm you know leaner farther faster fitter stronger now than i mm -hmm. was in my 20s you know and that's you know largely because of there the diet go. uh next i would say fermented foods and drinks because those probiotics in there are so 
profoundly essential for our existence and our survival from uh, gut health, brain health, metabolism, skin health. So getting, you know, different sources of probiotic rich food into you. And now, you know, the, the marketplace is flooded with all different types of kombuchas and uh, sauerkraut and kimchi. Uh, just once again, read the labels, read the ingredients, make sure your kombucha doesn't have erythritol and other dodgy things that are sneaking in and making them like soft drinks. Mm. Um, you know, and I think, and I think, you know, wild seafood. So things like oysters, yeah. you know, I think really important and you know uh wild caviar if you can access that okay. yeah there you go incredible i love it i love all five of those foods that you mentioned i'm actually sipping on a cup of bone broth as we've been speaking today so i'm glad it's um it's a favorite of yours but again sola um i'm very appreciative for you jumping on and being a part of the, part of the book and the project um you really are a wealth of knowledge and a big inspiration so thanks very much my absolute pleasure <laughs>